You are listening to the Domestic Life Podcast, created for foodpreneurs everywhere. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. It is deliciously produced every week for your enjoyment. Show notes can be found at savorv.com. Now let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Foodpreneur Domestic Life. I am super excited because I have one of Atlanta's very own, Nick Love. He is not only in the music industry, but he is a major foodie. And he owns a brand called The Bite Life. And he is going to tell us all about it because I don't want to spoil and spill all the tea. So welcome to the show, Nick Love. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing today? I'm super awesome. So I said gave the people a little bit about you. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Who is Nick Love? Uh, Nick Love is a Atlanta native, born and raised, Decatur, Georgia, actually. Um, All right, where is Brayden? That's right, east side. And um, I am, you know, the owner, creator, founder, HNIC, over at The Bite Life. <laughs> um, it's a foodie brand. It's uh, what I like to call the go-to guide for the hip-hop generation foodie. Um, I started in the music business. I started out as an artist when I was younger, my 17, 18, you know, my late teens. I wanted to be a rapper slash singer. thought I was going to be the next great thing. And um, mm-hmm. at some point, I found out about marketing. I was introduced to it by one of my mentors when I was around 20. 20 years old, and uh, from there I went on to great things in the music business as a marketing uh, executive. I, I, I worked up under Disturbing the Peace with Ludacris and and his team awesome. with Jay Tope, and uh, most notably, what everybody would mostly know me from is from Jeezy. I started out with Jeezy back in like 2002, and I was instrumental in you know in really getting the campaign off the ground for Trap or Die, Snowman, you know. Thug Motivation 101 and a lot of Jeezy's early career and on to, you know, the the latter parts as well. And um, just this year, I, I relaunched uh, the Bite mm-hmm. Life, and so here we are. Awesome, and you know I love me some Jeezy the Snowman, but we are here about the Bite Life. So the name, the Bite Life, why did you decide to call it that? Well, you know what? Uh, I got friends, actually, uh, really close friends and relatives who are big into motorcycles, and, uh, you know, they used to call it the bike life, B-I-K-E. And so okay. I was like, I kind of like that. But, you know, mm-hmm. I eat. I'm scared of bikes. I'm not a, I'm not a speed <laughs> freak or a speed enthusiast at all. I don't do roller coasters, none of that. But I like <laughs> the way that it sounds. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do the bike life, B-I-T-E. Right. And that'll be my thing. And that way, when I tag my pictures and I'm going out to eat and I'm, and I'm showing people, you know, what I'm eating and what restaurant I'm at, I said, that's going to be my tag, the bike life. And it just kind of stuck. And it was just was literally just... Uh, a light bulb moment when I just came up with the idea and it really just stuck and people gravitated towards it. Right. Okay, so there are so many industries out there like you talked about. You know, you've dealt in marketing, you've done the music thing. What attracted you to the food industry? Why food? Well, I realized that that was my one vice. I remember for years I would have conversations with other guys in the music business. And, uh, you know, I'm big into sports as well. I love sports. Mm-hmm. But... When I would talk to people in the music business, you know, everybody, you know, especially early in in my career, money was just plentiful. Everybody was making money. The music industry was thriving. CDs were selling. People were still going platinum and gold and (laughs) double platinum and all that. There was plenty of money around. And what I noticed is when people got paid, you know, you start to kind of watch what people do with their money. And Mm -hmm. some people were into the Louis Gucci high fashion stuff. Some people were into sneakers. Some people were into, you know, just, you know, messing with their homes, traveling, vacations. Me, I ate my money all the time. You know, I was the person that never was really into that. I liked to look nice, but I was bent on, I got to have that Louis belt or I got to have those Gucci shoes. I never cared for that. 
I didn't like old school cars. I wasn't trying to rebuild no engines in my driveway. <laughs> but when I made money, I was like, you know what? I would love a nice steak. I would love to go out to eat. I'd love to take, you know, a, a, a young lady out and, you know, for a night on the town and just do that. And that kind of was my thing. So as I got older, you know, whenever somebody would ask me, like, what are you into? And I would say, no, nah, I don't really have nothing. But then I realized, like, yes, I do. I love food. And so that's why right. I kind of, you know, stuck with this. Okay, so looking at your website, I see that you're fusing music, not just music, but the hip-hop music with food. How exactly are you merging the two together? Um, well, you know, it just comes from my, my, my two loves. I've been in the music industry for 15 plus years at this point. I started when I was, like I said, officially I would say when I was like 19 of really trying to intern and just figure things out. Um, I'm 35 now, so like I said, we're looking at going on really, you know, 15 years or so. And mm -hmm. um, that's what I knew for a long part of my life. In the food world, I'm, I just like to eat. I'm not a chef. I'm not a cook. I don't right. even know I can cook, but I don't consider myself a chef or anybody who aspires to be a chef. But those are the two things that I'm truly into. And when I started the Bite Life, which actually was ATL Bite Life years ago, because I actually started this brand back in 2011. If you mm -hmm. go on YouTube, you'll see old episodes of me in like 2011, 2012. Just I watched with two chains, all that. <laughs> you was eating everything. <laughs> yeah, so I was everywhere doing everything with all of my friends who were happened to be rappers and you know famous people. But um, you know when I when I first started it, that was my thing. But I realized that that was the thing that made me different. As I started ATL Bite Life and I started getting invited to Taste of Atlanta and different foodie events around the city and I started trying to immerse myself in that world, I realized that a lot of people who were already in that world, they were chefs or they were housewives or they were, they were just somebody who had an interest in the food space, but they were all different from me. I was the one guy in the room that was from the rap world. You know, I was the guy right. that walks in the room and I look different. I got on J's and a white tee and a necklace <laughs> right. and hats and I'm walking into a lot of, you know, I'm walking into a room where everybody got khakis and polos and sundresses on and I'm mm -hmm. the oddball in the room. But once people kind of found out about me, then I became the guy that everybody said, oh, well, do you know so-and-so? You know, and right. that was kind of my, my icebreaker when I walked into the room because looking back, I can see how and it kind of ties into what's going on today and around the world with all the police shootings and, and just, you know, the, the race issues that are going on. Like, I understand right. looking back how, because I stood out and what I was wearing, I can see how that could be considered a little intimidating. But when you put me in a different mm -hmm. environment and you allow me to speak, you start to say, oh, okay, like, okay, he's, he's a good guy. You know, I, I can see right. how the gold chains and what you may have seen on TV might have influenced your opinion of who we are as a hip-hop culture and who I am as a, as a black man in this country. But when, when I open my mouth and I'm allowed to speak, you see, okay, like, all right, he's, he got some sense and, and, and right. he knows what he's talking about. But I say all that to say I merge those two worlds because that's what I know, that's what I'm passionate about, and that's what mm -hmm. makes me unique. If I try to go out-talk a chef when it comes to food, I'll look stupid. If I, got, right. if I try to, you know, get too deep into the ingredients and uh, where stuff was flown in from and, and, and all <laughs> right. that stuff, like, I'll look like a fool. But the one thing that no one will ever be able to take away from me is that when I'm talking about food, I can always still go get T.I. on the phone. I can always go get right, T.J. Exactly. on the phone. And that's what makes me unique, and that's what the bite life is all about. So I think you kind of already answered my next question. You know, it seems like you are the epitome of the hip-hop generation foodie. But for those who don't know, what is a hip-hop generation foodie? I define it as, I, well, first let's start with the hip-hop generation side. I define that as 
the the group that's between 21 and 45. Um, okay. And actually, that group may even skew a little older, but I wanted the the audience that I targeted to be a, about a median age of like late 20s to early 30s. To me, that's the perfect age group where you're kind of getting out of your, your teeny bopper years, you've done college, you've gotten to a point where perhaps you have a job, some people even have families by that age, but you're starting to kind of outgrow the things that I guess people would consider like the younger things or things that a younger person would be into, right? So right. when I started really paying attention to my, my, my food uh, enthusiasm is when I got around 28. 28, 29, and I was like, you know what? I've done the club for years. I've been out every night, strip clubs, regular clubs, all the time. Mm-hmm. All and the now clubs. I want to do something else. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, but the funny thing about this this age group is this. When you're not 21, 22, 23, 24 years old, right? When you're, doing, when you're that age, you're still in the club, you're popping bottles, you're having fun, life's mm-hmm. a party, everything's in front of you. When you hit... I guess maybe 40, 50, you know, it started, you know, people look at that and say, okay, it's time to start planning for retirement and you mm-hmm. got kids or grandkids or whatever the case may be. But when you're in that right. middle age, what do you do? Like, you're, you know, people, you kind of, people look at 30 year old people and say, oh, you're too old to be in the club, but you're not old enough to really be partying with your parents, right? So, <laughs> at all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like, what do you do? And I found that that group is the crowd that goes on vacation. That's the crowd that mm-hmm. goes out to eat. That's the crowd that goes to the movies. And that we just have that genuine or that general interest in common. So the hip hop generation foodie is like that age group between 21 and 45 that is enthused by food, that loves to go out and not just go out to just eat and get full, but to enjoy the experience of it. Right. So that's who I'm the talking experience. people who want to the to want to you know involve themselves and immerse themselves in the experience of going out, not so much just oh it's good and I'm full, but the ambiance of the restaurant, where it's located, mm-hmm. the journey to get there, how you know the wine list, the the appetizers, and just you know just everything that involves eating out. That's who I'm targeting. Right. Okay. So I love that you said that because that's what this is all about: the experience and the people behind the foods that we eat. So with your brand, from it being ATL uh, Bite Life to becoming this national brand of the Bite Life, what do you find most challenging about what you do? Um, you know what it is? The, the hardest part for me has been just convincing my peers in the music business that what I'm doing is a viable thing. And I say that mm-hmm. because of this. They, they get it now because now they're starting to see more people uh, you know, like Aisha Curry, Steph Curry's wife, she's now got the mm-hmm. show. You got Action Bronson, Eddie Hong, these guys, you know, people who are in the kind of the hip hop community that have food shows. But I remember for years when I would call rappers or I would call singers or people that producers that I'm cool with and say, Hey, I want to interview you and I want to talk to you about food. They right. like, huh? So what do you want to do? Like, right. like what? <laughs> right. And it's crazy to me because I'm like, yo, I'm asking you the simplest question in the world. Mm-hmm. But they're so used and so conditioned to talk about their new single, their new mixtape, their right. new album, their next show. Uh, you know, th- th- those are the questions that they are, they're familiar with. And they know, like, okay, these are the questions I'm going to be asked. And these are the, the questions I'm prepared to answer. Mm-hmm. But when you throw food in there, they're like, uh... I mean, I guess. Uh, and then but, right. but the crazy part was, once we did it, they were like, oh, man, I'm going to do this again. Or you want to talk to so-and-so. Now, you know, like, but it always takes that one go-round 
that, that mm-hmm. first interaction with me and what I'm doing with it because everybody knows me for Jeezy. Everybody knows right. me for the strip club DJ. So when I pick up the phone and people see my name on the caller ID, they're like, great. Either Nick's going to break my record or he's going to send me a record. You know, that's, so, you know, convincing people that I'm not crazy, that I don't have a third head, right. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't fall off a truck somewhere, and all of a sudden I just don't want to do music anymore. It's convincing right. people that this is something worthwhile and it's something that is just showing an evolution of the hip-hop culture. And I absolutely love that. And it's like even when I talk about food and desserts, because I just want to sit around and talk about food and desserts all day, and people think I'm crazy, but it's like they always want to come over and eat. So there you go. There you go. What you do every day, all day. You know, how is that crazy? So you mentioned that you're, you know, you work on music. That's, you know, people pick up your phone calls. They know you're about to release a record. So what are you doing when you aren't working on the bite life? What is like a day in the life of Nick Love? Well, you know what? Right now, I'm really just trying to enjoy just the free time and my family mm-hmm. more than anything. For years, and, and and people who know me, you know, pretty well will attest to this. I immersed myself fully into work and the business of the music business. I uh, mm-hmm. I spent countless hours, missed numerous family functions. Uh, you know, landmark times in my kids' lives because I was on tour or I was tied up with right. an event or there was, you know, you know how the Atlanta calendar goes. You got birthday bash and then you got this concert, <laughs> that concert, and you're here and you're there. You got a whole schedule. We yeah, and then Atlanta, we it doesn't help that Atlanta is a city that doesn't sleep. So you're constantly, right. there's always a party, there's always an event, there's always a networking function that you need to be at or feel like you need to be at. And so for years, I skipped out on a lot of things that, in retrospect, I wish I hadn't. So now mm-hmm. that the Bite Life, I'm doing the Bite Life, which is definitely a 24-hour schedule for me because I'm launching a business. But at, right. you know, when I do have free time and I do have some downtime, I just want to hang out with my kids. I just want to, let's go out to eat, let's go to the park, mm-hmm. let's go swimming, let's go Dave and Buster's or wherever it is. Like, let's just go hang and just do something that doesn't involve work. Uh, right. I try to when I shut down, I try to shut down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If that makes any sense, like uh, those days where I just work, 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 work. I'm trying to put those behind me and just be effective with my time. You know, just be you know, just be more efficient and say, you know what? I'm gonna knock out everything I need to do with my life between this time and this time, and then I'm turning off. And then it's, right. it's all about the fam at that point. I love that because we have to shut it down. We're always going, 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 especially in a city like Atlanta. There's always something, especially with this being huge for music. So when it comes to your business, whether it's the music business or, you know, the bite life, what type of networking do you do that you feel helps your business? And I ask that only because in Atlanta, you know, you have the networking mixer and it's every Monday and every Tuesday. And it's really not networking. It's just people in short dresses being with their lip gloss on and, flirting so what is real networking to you what type of networking do you do that you feel grows your business well you know what you know what I've really done I have people would almost call me anti-social to a certain degree because of how I've kind of pulled myself away from my music peers and I've tried Mm -hmm. to introduce myself to a new group of people you know the reason that even you and I were able to connect was because of a friend of ours who thought it would be a good idea for us to you know, to, to meet and speak with each other. Um, right. My music friends would say, man, I haven't seen Nick, you know, uh, or I don't see Nick as much as I used to. 
Well, that's on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, in trying to grow this business, I know all of y'all. Like, I don't need to go <laughs> hang out with y'all again for the 1,800th time at some club or some event. I need to know the people who are in the food world but so, so I can continue to mesh the two worlds. So what I do now is, one, I constantly put out the fact that I'm doing this. This isn't a part-time job. This isn't a part-time hobby. This isn't some fling I'm kind of working on here and there. This is what I do when I wake up every morning. So once I communicated that to everybody and made sure that everybody knew exactly that this is what Nick is doing every day. This is his new thing, the bite life. So once people understood that, now they take me so seriously that now when they meet people like you, or they have a friend who's a chef, or they have a friend at a restaurant, they connect dots for me. And so I spend much of my day in terms of networking, following up with people and saying, hey, like, you know, this is, I'm Nick Love, such and such introduced us via Instagram or via Twitter, or, you know, he connected us on that email. Let's talk, how can we work together? You know, the one thing I learned from the music business is how to be mutually beneficial to both, you know, for both parties. Um, right. Which is crazy because most people in the music business would tell you that it's the most selfish business in the world. Everybody's out for themselves. Mm-hmm. But what I found that it, it works best when I can say, all right, cool, what can I do for you? And then in turn, what can I get out of it, you know, from, from, from working with you or for you? So I just right. try to connect dots like that and just, um, you know, just, 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 just try to build new relationships. And, it's, and I will say this for everybody who's listening. It's a it's an uncomfortable thing, you know. When you you know everybody knows this. When you got a college per se, making new friends is tough. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you usually make your friends when you're in elementary school. You know you got friends right. that you've known since third fourth grade, and you move mm-hmm. up, you get high school friends, college friends. And after that, like life takes on a different turn. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, making meeting new, new people and gaining new friends is a is a, is a tough. Um, it's a tough step, but uh, it's necessary, and you have to do it. So I just spent my time following up and just figuring out how I can help somebody else. Exactly, and I love that. The whole, you know, scratch my back and I'll scratch yours type of thing. I love, you know, that concept because that's ultimately what we all have to do since we're all in this together. So with those challenges, sometimes even myself as an entrepreneur, when you're so close to the brand and the vision and everything you're trying to build – Sometimes it's hard to come up with ideas for your brand. How do you keep coming up with new material and fresh content for your audience? Um, well, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. Right now, I'm not having problems at all because I've been sitting on some of these ideas for a couple of years now. You know, um, okay. You know, if you know my full story, like I said, I, I started ATL Bite Life back in like 2011. I stopped um, over mm-hmm. the years because... When I was, when I initially started this business, it wasn't a business. It was literally just a hobby, something that I was into and just something I liked to do. It wasn't until this year that I decided this is what I want to do with my life. Like, this is something I want to turn into a full-time career, and I'm going to stop and take it very seriously and invest my time and money into it. But, oh, but before then, I had took years of just, oh, that'd be a dope idea, and I write it down, put it in my phone. Mm. Oh, I think that'd be cool if we okay. did this. So I have like all these whiteboards and spiral notebooks full of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like coming to me every day, like, oh, this would be dope. We should try this. We should try that. Let's do this. Let's do that. But also, life gives you ideas every day. You know, just just exactly. right now, um, I'll, I'll look at the stuff that went on this past week with, uh, you know, the, the police shootings in Louisiana and Minnesota, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the outcry for Black Lives Matter and all of that. So now I'm working currently on doing, um, you know, some, some, some cash mobs, which, which is what I call them, and I got that term from somebody else. But basically it's mm-hmm. just getting around up a group of friends and supporters, and we're going to go and just patronize a lot of black businesses. 
um, right. like, like on restaurants in particular, because that's my area mm-hmm. of expertise. So exactly. that is something maybe that I wouldn't have done on my own, but life kind of just lobbed that to me and said, you know what, this is what we're going to do. I already support these restaurants individually anyway, but why not introduce my friends and my network of people to uh, In the Cut, uh, you know, off McDaniel Street or My Fair Sweets, uh, you know, uh, you know, just different black-owned restaurants and different black-owned boutiques and, and, and bars and stuff like those places are there, and life just kind of handed that to me. So I'm just taking exactly. those things on and just moving forward with them. So I love that as an entrepreneur and the creator of The Bite, like you're already giving something not only to your community, community, but to your audience. So what's the best thing you think any entrepreneur, no matter what field they're in, can give to his or her audience? Um, you know what? I think the, most, the best thing that you can ever give somebody is your perspective. Um, I mean, I, I think that you, while you could always give somebody a physical thing, right? Those things are great. Everybody loves a gift. But I try to entertain and educate at the same time. Um, what I find a lot of times is in life, life can become very, very serious in a blink of an mm-hmm. eye. I remember literally, let's just think back, and I hate to keep harking back on it, but two weeks ago, life seemed to be fairly well. Like, we've always had, like, the, the exactly. issues with police and black people and everything. But, mm-hmm. I mean, two weeks ago, life was okay, right? We hadn't had anything exactly. happen fairly recently. Everybody was moving on about their lives, jokey, jokey, mm-hmm. all the memes on Instagram, women be like, men be like, isn't this funny? Exactly. Look at that. All the jokes, right? We were all having a grand mm-hmm. old time, and then life hit immediately, and things shifted. Mm-hmm. So I think there's, it, it, it's, I think that balance is sometimes needed, and, and hopefully it doesn't take a tragedy to bring about the balance, but I always just try to give people like, hey, how about you look at it this way? Or how about you look at it that way? I'm not a genius, I'm not a know-it-all, but I know that the one thing that I am is me. You know what I'm saying, Nick Love. And this is how Nick Love sees the world. And maybe, just maybe, my opinion can sway your opinion one way or the other, or at least make you look at a situation from a different angle. And um, who knows what that turns into? You know, who knows if, you know, the post that I write today is the thing that shifts the culture tomorrow. And um, exactly. Tim Ferriss, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's the guy that wrote the four hour mm-hmm. work week. He has his one yes. week that he says he thinks he, he he says one blog post, one book, one article, one event, one thing can change your life today. Like, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I take that seriously. Like what if this post that I write is the thing that opens up that next door for myself or the next person. So I don't concentrate on trying to put out a billion posts a day. As a matter of fact, you may only see one or two new posts a day on the bike. Mm-hmm. But I'm all about quality over quantity. I'd rather hit you with one or two really good things than hit you with 50 nonsense articles that do nothing for you just so Absolutely. I can say, yeah, I put up 50 <laughs> articles today. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I try to give people a different way of looking at things and hopefully you know, how I present my thoughts to the world makes sense to you. And I love that you said that because I feel like people, we're in such a competitive society. People feel like, oh, I got to do 
these 20 posts and outdo this person. But, you know, the first blog that I had that ever went viral, I was having a dream, and I just woke up out of my sleep and was like, I'm going to write about this today. So it's not the amount, it's the quality. And yep. I like that you just said that because that's what it's all about. And so, you know, we're here in Atlanta, so we see people starting businesses every day. You see the person like, I thought you were a caterer. Wait, I thought you sold Christmas cards. Wait, I thought you were doing you know, multi-level marketing. Like, I don't know. So people are interested I think I can appreciate, even if they did do 20 things in the last couple of months, at least you're interested in starting something. So right. I think people are interested in starting new businesses, you know, for the money and the earning potential. What are some tips for people interested in making money from their new idea? And what do you think are some realistic expectations? What advice would you give them? For, for an aspiring entrepreneur, there's a few things I would say. The first is you need money. The, the old adage of... If you build it, they will come, or don't chase the money, just follow your passions. I think those things are fantastic and sweet, and they sound beautiful, and, and they're very inspirational. But those, to me, are the biggest, uh, I don't want to call them lies, but like <laughs> those are the biggest myths in the entrepreneurial world. Um, and I say that because it's kind of like, you know, with artists, and I'll compare this to music. I love when people say, you know, an uh, artist is trying to get himself on and, you know, he, you know, he's struggling and he's putting out a couple of songs and things are going okay and there's some momentum building, but he's not all the way there. And the, and the artist says, you know what, I need to get a deal. I need a label. I need somebody to get mm -hmm. behind me. And then there's always that person that's like, nah, do it independent, on your own. You make more money. I'm like, yeah, but do you know how hard it is to do it independently? Do you know how difficult it is to do it on your own? Sometimes, depending on your situation, an artist may need that backing, need that support, need that money, need that infrastructure. Those things are necessary. And entrepreneurs are told this all day. You know, people, people at jobs especially, people who work nine-to-five jobs are always sold this bill of goods about entrepreneurship. Like, oh, yeah, just, just quit your job. And just, <laughs> and just fly. <laughs> just spread your wings and fly. Like, you just, just do it. Just don't think about it. Just quit your job and just go. Or sometimes people are even shamed because they have nine-to-five jobs. I remember when, you know, maybe you remember a year or so ago when Dane Dash had that big rant on The Breakfast Club and he was talking about working mm -hmm. nine-to-five and not working nine-to-five And that's somebody your daddy and all Yeah, like, exactly. Like, to me, I love Dane Dash. But I thought that was the most ignorant mess I had ever heard because... Shaming somebody for having a job is ridiculous because you know you need to get some money from somewhere else. You're going to start this business. You got to you know you got to have some kind of capital to start a business, and and you need to get it from somewhere. And I wouldn't necessarily depend on anybody else to do it for you initially. You need to be willing to invest in yourself first. So before you go get that bank loan, before you go ask mom and dad, brother and sister, auntie and uncle friend, investor guy, put some, put some of your own money into your idea and see how this goes. Because if you're willing exactly. to invest in yourself, somebody else is willing to invest in you. So I would first start with there. Get yourself some money first. The second thing is make sure that you have an idea that is needed in the marketplace. You know, the, the thing about Bite Life that I saw that there was a void. I wasn't just coming along and saying, hey, I want to make money off this random blog. <laughs> I know there's 20,000 of me. But right. I just want to be the special guy that makes a million dollars off. It's like, no, nah, there wasn't mm -hmm. any of me in the space when I came around. You know, like there was no hip hop foodies with blogs and trying to mesh the worlds and all that stuff. That's a new trend. Like, and it's a trend that honestly I feel like I pioneered years ago. So, uh, mm -hmm. 
I'm almost playing catch up with myself, essentially. You know, if that makes any right. sense. But, but like I said, I, I think you know, beyond having money, you just need to make sure that you have an idea that's sustainable and that it's a real business. And the last thing would be just reading and watching things that enhance your business acumen. Like, I'm a big Shark Tank fan, so I'm always mm, kind of looking at my Shark business Tank. from like, okay, if I had to pitch the bite life on the Shark Tank, what would I say? How would I do this? Mm. I read Success Magazine. I read Entrepreneur Magazine. I read Inc. I read Fast Company. I read a lot of material, and I immerse myself in a lot of material so that even if it's, even if I have an idea, I see an idea or I read an idea that doesn't apply to bite life, maybe it'll apply to something else that I do in the future. So I just try to retain that knowledge. And if you're, if you're trying to start a business and all you watch is reality show TVs and game shows, right. like, I mean, God how much smarter are you getting? You know what I'm saying? So right. get you some money, make sure you have a great idea, and immerse yourself in knowledge and learning about what you're trying to do. Okay, so when it comes to visibility for the, the Bite Life, of course, we connected just on social media through yeah. a mutual friend. You know, mm-hmm. we had a common interest, food, and we're both in the food industry. So yes. when it comes to a strategy for creating visibility to yourself in the Bite Life, do you even have a strategy or did you just put yourself out there? What was well, the strategy for creating My strategy life? is initially, and I'm, and I'm kind of coming out of that phase now because I've broken my year up into like three-month increments or basically quarters. Okay. But... Um, Social media has been a, a huge part of my plan as far as visibility and getting the word out. Um, but, you know, with social media and PR, and mm-hmm. I say that because you want people to know what you do. And right. it takes some effort to get that done. People are, you just, you're not just going to create something. People say, oh, you're Nick Love, that's the bite life, and I'm, I'm fully aware of everything that goes into this. So the strategy has to be how do I get people to see what I'm doing, take an interest, and and start to share it with their friends. Um, My strategy, personally, my theory is the one fan a day rule, which is every day when I get up, I literally put into effect the thought of how can I get one more follower today? How can I get one more follower on Twitter, one more follower on Instagram, one more like on Facebook? What can I do to get people to pay attention to this thing that I have going on? And if you look at it like that, the goals become very realistic, very attainable. I think where a lot of people miss out is everybody's trying to hit the home run. And we all are. <laughs> right. Don't get me wrong. All of us mm-hmm. are. Men, women, children, athletes, non-athletes. We all want to do that one thing that takes us from zero to 100 real quick. You know what I'm saying? We all want that. Mm-hmm. But in trying to swing for the fences and hit the home run, we ignore the singles and the doubles and the triples and just getting on base. And, you know, eventually, because the goal is just really to score a point, right? We just want to round the bases. So what if instead of doing this grand, what if, instead of taking out a million-dollar loan to run a commercial for the Super Bowl for the bite life, why not just say, you know what, I'm going to start making use of hashtags, right? So whenever I post a picture, I'm going to hashtag food, hashtag eat, mm-hmm. hashtag bite life, hashtag whatever the picture is, hashtag the city, the location, all of those things, and hope because again, you know, you just all marketing and PR is is spreading the word and hoping to attract something back. It's really just casting a net and just trying exactly. to pull some stuff back in. So you're hoping that today one person is happen to be looking for the hashtag uh, chicken and come across your picture or hashtag right. fish. You know what I'm saying? That's really all you can really do in terms of doing that. But that's just a little thing. Like literally, I remember taking like two days of a weekend, maybe a few months back. And just going back through my pictures on Instagram and just retagging them. 
and I pulled in about an additional 20 followers in about three days just from retagging. And it's little strategies mm-hmm. like that. That's what you have to do. And you just have to do everything with a, with a certain level of, okay, what's the return on this? Should I buy a Facebook ad? Should I not? Should I spend money here? Should I not? I have people come to me every day. Publishers hit me all the time. Like, hey, you know, I like what you're doing, man. You know, for for a thousand bucks a month, fifteen hundred <laughs> bucks a month, I'll do this for you. And I'm like, yeah, but I can do that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, and right. if I spend if I spend myself. that money, what what's the return going to be? Like, fifteen hundred dollars to get more likes. I don't know if that makes sense for me right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and, and a lot of entrepreneurs, we we fall victim to the. Well, if you got the money on hand, let me just spend it because let spending me just the spend money it on will, that. <laughs> yeah, if you, especially if you got it, you're like, hey, let me spend this money because we hope that we can buy ourselves a bit of a shortcut, right? Mm-hmm. But um, there ain't no shortcuts in business. Ultimately, you learn it now, you learn it later. So my strategy is just paying attention to the little details that, to me, changes everything. I love that you said that. There are no no shortcuts, and so one thing, you know, I've been observing that. Food is like the craze now. I mean, the foodie, the go here, post this plate here in a way that it wasn't before, you know, and it expands beyond just chefs. And, you know, I'm a baker. It expands beyond bakers. You have food bloggers now. We have this whole entire food culture. And so if someone was interested in breaking into the food industry, what things would you possibly suggest so that they can do that without possibly being a chef? Because you aren't a chef. You know, you do cook, but you have this whole brand called The Bite Life. What are some tips you would give them if they wanted to break into the food industry? I would say look for a niche. And I think I touched on that a little bit earlier, but I would say look for a niche. What makes you different? If you're a chef, let's say you are a chef. We know, and this is, I mean, I think anybody knows this, you can look on Instagram, Twitter, any of this, and see a billion chefs. So why do I care that you will cook, you're a chef, versus the next person? So exactly. are you the vegan chef? Are you the $5 mm-hmm. chef? Are you the high-end chef? Like, what makes you different? And I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't take into account when they're starting new businesses. Why are you unique? Why do I care that you do this versus the next person? So, you know, and even for non-chefs, okay, cool. If you're going to blog about food, okay, what's your angle going to be? Are you going to be the hip-hop guy like myself? Are you going to be the person that takes food pictures in black and white? Are you going to take food pictures in hyper color and do these strange things like what you got to have your unique perspective and your Mm -hmm. unique angle on what you're doing period and that's for food businesses or non-food businesses it's like what makes you different because if i can go to somebody else's page and get the exact same content why do i need you you know so uh that's always been my thing so i've always kind of strived to be a little different like even uh, even right now like we're building some stuff, you know, behind the scenes that I won't let out the bag just yet. But when people start to see the new wave of the, even just the images that we put out, I think people will say, wow, okay, I've never seen that. Okay. And, and that's my goal. My goal is to always push, you know, put out images, a message, a theme, and, you know, and just, a, you know, just put out something that people haven't seen before and that they find unique. And if you want that, you'll come to me for it. If you want something else, maybe you'll go elsewhere. And, you know, I'm like I said, I'm not mm-hmm. the only person posting food on Instagram. I'm not the first person. Right. I won't be the last person to do it. But if you want to know where 2 Chains eats, it's a little different. If you want to <laughs> know where Jock eats, it's a little different. If you want to know where Jeezy eats, yeah, you might want to come to Bite Life for that, you know? So mm-hmm. exactly. I say find, you know, find your niche and exploit the hell out of it. 
Absolutely. I love that. You're so awesome. So <laughs> I know you said you have children. So if a kid or even your child walks up to you asking you for advice and you only had like a few minutes, maybe a minute to give them your best life tip or best advice, what would you say to them? Uh, it's a quote I like. Uh, I forget off the top of my head who says it, but it's something I've actually lived by for a few years now. The quote is, uh, be first, be great, or be different. And like I said, that kind of hits on everything that I've been talking about since we've been uh, we've been speaking. Be, you know, if you want to if you want to ever make a, a dent in this world, you got to be the first one to ever do it, the best one to ever do it, or you just got to be so unique from everybody else who's currently doing it that you mm-hmm. stand out. And and that's the first thing I would tell my child or anybody else. Like, aim to be one of those three things, and you'll succeed. I love that. Absolutely. So I know you've had a lot of good eats in Atlanta. What are like the top three places that you would recommend for us to go check out here in Atlanta? Ooh, um, you know what? If I was, depends. It depends on what you're trying to go for. If you're just trying to go for something casual or something real quick, I like a uh, Taqueria del Sol. That's off of Howard Mill. It's like it's a taco mm-hmm. spot. Um, good margaritas. Like, you know, really good tacos, real quick food comes out, five minutes or less, you'll love it. Real great atmosphere, real casual. I like a Zen burger right in front of Lenny Square Mall. Mm, uh, I love Zen burger. Cheeseburgers and red wine is the best thing you'll ever eat. <laughs> no lie. <laughs> Doesn't get no better than that. And then maybe, um, you know what, I like Geo's. Geo's chicken and everything that he has on that little block. Geo's chicken, Antico pizza. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bar Mafia, like that whole little uh, block that he has, that corner he has off of Hinfield, um, I think is all amazing. But um, maybe if you want to do something a little more high end, I like um, I like Shula's, Shula's 347 Grill is at the bottom of um, what the hotel? It's the, I think it's the Marriott, the bottom of the Marriott Hotel, right across mm-hmm. the street from Lenox Square Mall. You got uh, Brick Tops, which is further down on Peachtree, um, not too far from Lenox Square Mall. And then if you're willing to venture out. Side the city, there's a restaurant that I love, probably my favorite restaurant in the world right now. Um, it's called Capers. It's off of Barrett Parkway out in Kennesaw. So it's a little outside the city, mm-hmm. but it's black-owned. The food is amazing. Like, literally everything on the menu, because I've had it all, is amazing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like I said, I, I would recommend anybody who's willing to travel move about 15, 20 minutes outside the city to go make a stop over there. So, yeah, that would be my recommendations. Well, I know where I will be this weekend. I will be at Capers. So That's right. Pull other, up. Uh, services do you offer? What other projects are you working on? I know you said you got some behind-the-scenes stuff. I'm trying to infiltrate. I, I feel like <laughs> it's going to be something good. Um, well, right now, you know what? I'm really just focusing on food and beverage, the food and beverage world in general from a marketing standpoint. Beyond my blog, what I really want to do is as I've – and this, I guess, this would apply to the more of the, you know, build it and they will come type of thing. Once I kind of put it out to the world that I was doing Bite Life and focusing on this, all of a sudden I got all the phone calls from people who were starting beverage companies, juice companies, <laughs> right. bars, restaurants. They said, hey, I see what you're doing. Maybe you can help me with my thing. So I, I feel like that's the area that needs some, that, that, that needs what I do. You know, that I can bring something very cool and unique, too. So I'm focusing on food and beverage, like marketing. So, uh, you know, if anybody has a restaurant or a new product that they're trying to launch, personal chef services or whatever, I want to take what I know and help you make some money. So uh, that's really what I'm on. And, I, and I'm actually looking to find other people who are like-minded like myself and say, hey, you know, how can we work together to build somebody else's thing? Because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, if you can add value to somebody else, you'll definitely get the value back in return. So... Yeah, One of my first clients was uh, Kevin Gates. He has the energy drink, I Don't Get Tired. 
So he was the very oh, first what? Bite Light client this year. So, uh, okay. you know, shout out to Kevin Gates and his energy drink. And uh, from there, uh, you know, Jeezy, he does Avion. So, you know, that's something that I'm, that I'm working on, uh, getting my hooks into. Um, and there are several other, you know, artists that are, like they have beverage companies, energy drinks, liquors. So that's what I'm working on right now. And I'm just trying to just, you know, you know put my best foot forward in that world. I love that. Okay, so, you know, people need to stay connected with you. I don't want y'all trying to slip him a mixtape or nothing like that. Uh, please don't. <laughs> if people want to find you, how can they find Nick Love and stay connected with you? Uh, it's two ways. Um, Love ATL, that's my name on everything. And that's my real name. That's not my cool industry name. That's my birth name. Oh, Actually, okay. Nicholas Love is my real name. So, uh, but yeah, Nick Love ATL, N I C K. L-O-V-E-A-T-L, that's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything. And then uh, The Bite Life, T-H-E-B-I-T-E-L-I-F-E. The Bite Life is on everything as well, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, Pinterest, uh, SoundCloud, whatever you want, you can find me there. And I try to keep everything as consistent as I can so that I'm never difficult to find. So Nick Love, A-T-L, or The Bite Life. And, uh, you know, hit me. I'm around, I'm accessible, and I'm looking to work. So... If anybody want to work together, work with me, work for me, let's do it. Well, you heard it here first, guys. Definitely check out thebitelife.com. Nick, love, we definitely enjoyed you and having you on this foodpreneur episode of The Domestic Life with Saber V. I am your girl, V. Tabron. You can find me at SaberV.com and at SaberV on Instagram and Twitter. You guys be safe and keep eating. Take care. That's a wrap. Come back often and feel free to add this yummy podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. You can also follow us at Saver V on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time, keep it domestic. Peace.